pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to another episode of Declarations of War. I'm your host, Alexei Carr, joined today by Yin Tan. A guilt-free howdy howdy as Artemis is not with us today. Oh, he is missed. But uh, at least you get to sleep easy tonight, you know, knowing that you haven't marginalized him once again. And once again stolen his intro. Like the terrible human being I am. I want to give a shout out to Stuart X13. He is my PvP patron on Twitch. He has donated by far more than any other person to my PvP exploits, and I very much appreciate it. Uh, what a cool dude! He is so excited about Eve, and for some reason, I am his favorite caster. And uh, wow, it just, it just blows my mind every time I see him and his, and his generosity. It's really amazing stuff. So thank you, dude. Thank you for all of your support. Hope to bring you many more streams in the future. Yeah, my shout out is going to be to the EVNT crew. Um, so that's people like Bio, um, Stargazer, um, Nash, basically all the people who are helping out there. Ithaca, Jake Meister. Oh shit, there's like uh, there's like a billion people. There's like even some CCP people, uh, CCP people who are kind of like guesting in the group, like CCP Shreddy, the new guy. He was uh, he was hanging around and helping out. They did a ton of hard work at FanFest, and now they're working for the upcoming Alliance tournament, which you can now apply to if you want to be a commentator again this year. No one apply. No one apply. Stop. Mm -hmm. well, uh, do you, have you applied already, Alexia? Uh, I will be today. And uh, I, for those of you who have only joined us in the past year, I have applied to be an Alliance tournament commentator for every year for the past five, six years. And never been picked. This year's my year, man. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it makes me feel bad that I went in one year and just got it. No. It's all because I'm British, dude. You gotta have that accent. It it does count against me. The American accent. Not sexy. You're just you're just you're too generic, you Americans. There's too many of you. You're not a rare commodity. <laughs> that was the most tortured squeal I've heard in a long time. No, I, I will be applying this year, and and you know, fingers crossed. And if I don't get it this year, I'll I will keep applying until it happens because I really feel like I would do a good job. Apparently, no one else does, but I do. And you know, follow your dreams and all that stuff. Speaking of following dreams, and we'll get into this a bit later, but uh, CCP Seagull. We know what's next for her, or rather, Eve Onion does. They have broken the story that she has been confirmed and anointed as the new Space Pope. Huge, huge news, exclusive story on EveOnion.com. EveOnion.com, we break the news of Eve Online. So much to talk about with CCP Seagull and FanFest. We're going to get into all that. First, we asked you guys if you would come back to Eve 
If an Eve patch deleted your boot.ini and you had to buy a new physical copy of Windows to use your computer. Overwhelming 75% of our audience loves the game enough to forgive it deleting their Windows. Amazing. And I guess that bears out, because that actually happened, and uh, the game continued onward, so... I mean, I probably wouldn't pay for Windows, but if I like had to go to a vent, if I had to go to like my local shop and get one, I'd probably do it. I'd probably be like, okay, you win this time, CCP. We'll go outside. <laughs> I'll never forget that patch day. I just happened, just happened to have work that day. And I was like, oh, I'll just download everything when I get home. I just happened to have checked the forums on the commute. From work to my house. If I hadn't, I would have just installed it straight away. And would have lost everything. Get memed on, kid. Yeah. Alright, we have two huge top stories. And then we're also going to touch on um, some of the things that have been going on in NullSec. Some quite interesting developments out there. But first, let's get to the big things. FanFest happened. And then something that almost was even more important than FanFest happened. But we can't talk about that without the context of this. So, FanFest, Yin, you were there, you were in involved in some of the planning, sort of, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, because there's been so much discussion over how this FanFest has been different than previous years, and who better to talk about it than the man who experienced it firsthand? This, this FanFest was a bit of a different one for me in general, because one of my first, well, I suppose like my last last year was much the same actually for me, but I have a very different FanFest experience to what most people have. I, you know, I, I saw some presentations. I saw a whole three of them. I saw the keynote. I saw the closing ceremony and I saw Elise Randolph's, um, presentation on how to be a fleet commander. And I was fucking busy the rest of the time because summits are now like, sorry, see, sorry, it's FanFest are like summit 2.5s now for some reason. And I actually kind of love it. But like, you know, um, my whole process for being involved in FanFest started two weeks before the event began. Um, we got sat down with Hilmar and everyone else doing their kind of drafts of the presentations that they were going to give, uh, specifically the opening ceremony. Um, and we got to give some feedback on there, shape it a little bit. And we hope it came across a bit better than it originally did. Um, but you know, the original will never go out there. And beyond that, we've been working with them on um, everything to do with uh, Abyssal Dead Space and Triplavians and PI and Faction Warfare, you know, and uh, how to kind of phrase the um, Faction Fortisar announcement, for example. Um, we didn't know the... By the way, just as an interesting side note, we didn't actually get given the date for the transfer uh, until the day of until it was going to be released to the public. And we were very, very okay with that. We were very on board with that. Um, we think it's necessary for CCP to be able to keep, keep some secrets like that from us when it's necessary. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, not ever, uh, the date doesn't really super matter. Like, what, what CSM input is there going to be on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it was like day one was... Uh, I guess Wednesday I arrive, you know, come in, I help do some event set up with Event T during the first day. I show my grand around um, the Harper and all that, and then we go out for a meal. And then on Thursday, bam, straight in it, I go in, I have like two hours of, in, uh, not two hours of interview, I have three hours of interviews, I'm in my, um, in my money suit, 
Uh, it's taking me about 30 minutes to walk from the two places I have to go between. Um, like I'm, tr what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find some time to do commentary on the matches in the CCC room, but I'm also trying to, uh, like be around in the press room to do interviews with some people and kind of schmooze it up with, uh, devs I know. Cause that's kind of what I want to do at FanFest. I want to talk to people. I want to, um, do stuff I can only ever do at FanFest. And, uh, it was taking me literally 30 minutes to walk about 200 meters, 300 meters, because I would be constantly being stopped for like, you know, handshakes and like five minute conversations and selfies and stuff like that. It was actually really cool. I, I super enjoyed it, but uh, it did make getting anything done very difficult. Uh, on the second day, I kind of went incognito. Um, and I had five hours of interviews that day, uh, back to back. Good God. So I did that. Um, and then I, I was kind of giving a lot of discussion to the devs and trying to find out where they were at. Um, gave a lot of feedback to Berger regarding his, um, initial presentation, um, and the round table that went on, some stuff like that. You know, it was a working, it, you know, I was, I was basically working the whole time and then. Uh, what, what did we do on Friday? On oh, Friday was pub crawl night, which for me meant that I went to the LGBT meetup instead, and that was fucking great. I got super hammered. Um, and then the next day was uh, the party at the top of the world. And everything to do with that, which involved, you know, me getting dunked, me doing my presentation to um, a relatively packed theatre. It was like 200 people in the main hall. I was super impressed because the, pre the structured presentation was also going on. And oh, there's nice. like 200 people who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask you questions. Why the fuck not? And I loved it. I had a really good time. But, um, you know, I, I was effectively part of CCP's machine whilst I was there, which I think is different to how, the you know, FanFest might have been when you were a CSM, Alexia. Yeah, I... So the FanFest that I went to was... It was so weird because the way things worked out, there was another CSM elected when we got to go as part of the previous CSM because we didn't get to go the first time around. So you're like, oh, we still kind of owe you this and we do want you guys there. Uh, but like, you don't actually have to do anything. We were sort of like on hand as, uh, you know, kind of meet and greedy type folks. Like we were people that were on the CSM. Some of us were running again or were, you know, related to candidates that were running again. And then there was the actual CSM panel that they had, and we were kind of on hand, I guess, as alternates, you would say. Like, if there were any problems with the main panel, for whatever reason, like, we were supposed to be on call, more or less, to, like, go up and, and fill in. Um, beyond that, it was very uh, unstructured, informal. We didn't really have to do anything. Uh, I wound up doing a lot of schmoozing and a lot of networking and stuff and doing a lot of stuff with it. I didn't really like work for the charity thing, but I bid a lot of the charity stuff. I was involved in the charity poker tournament. I was just participating, but that was mostly what I did with my time. Yeah. I, I will say that I don't have to do any of that stuff. I could say no. I'm just not going to say no. Right. Of course. Cause I, you know, I've, I've worked with these people a lot and I respect what they're trying to do because of the implication. Yeah, yeah, because you're in a boat in the middle of... You're in an island in the middle of the ocean. You can't say no. <laughs> oh no, what am I going to do? Decline to speak on this panel? Of course not. Yeah. I was actually... Yeah, it was, it was good there. 
I really enjoyed this fan fest. I I always enjoy fan fest, but this time it felt like even more of a party than usual. Especially the party at the top of the world. I got fucking I got messed up at that party. <laughs> that's that's interesting because and this I have this as a point to discuss later, but it's a good segue. I would describe the the keynote presentations and the stuff that I saw on stage as almost like a funeral eulogy. <laughs> like it was not very joyous or uh, excited. They uh, Hilmar looked absolutely ashen, and the other devs seemed markedly you know reserved. And I don't know if that translated at all apparently it didn't translate at all to other parts of FanFest, but it definitely came across very strange yeah it's almost like some big part of the company was moving on and mm-hmm. not with them for us <laughs> but no, so you're no. saying that wasn't common elsewhere in the event um it was definitely there was a lot less fanfare this year i think is a good way to put it like um it felt a lot like there was a lot of smaller things there was like the memory room and the games room and it was all about you know it's all very 2000 like 2011 kind of ccp not to not the ccp we've seen recently it was very weird to go back to that but i think that's just what happens when you have some very 2011 people in judgment because you know this was guard and um pool uh, sorry um Guard and Falcons um, fan fest. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't been to a fan fest since 2010, so oh, you should really come to these new ones. They're pretty lit. Well, I suppose you can't because the the new ones are. Well, you have to go to one of them because they're splitting it up, aren't they, this year or well, this next year? Well, who knows what that means? I, I would like to go back to an ice, proper Iceland fan fest. The thing is, now that I'm living on the west coast of the United States, it is a brutal trip. Like both in cost and time, so that's a little, a little scary. Like before, when I was in the East Coast, it was relatively easy. You hop up to Boston and take a transatlantic flight. You're in Iceland in like less than ten hours. Now I live on the literal opposite side of the planet, and that complicates things tremendously. Yeah, I can imagine that would. I'm I'm hoping to maybe next year try and get to like Vegas. Um, oh yeah, because I can't go to a fan fest for obvious reasons. Um, I'll be trying to figure out how I can do that money wise. But no, there, there's obviously a lot of stuff that got revealed at fan fest, which is is interesting to other people. But as someone who knows about that in advance, actually going and seeing stuff revealed is normally not that particularly interesting. I just have to be like, okay, but what did they actually reveal? Because I know way more about it than you. Right. Well, like, I mean, we should talk about it. Things, but yeah. Like, it's it's of great interest to the audience, so we should discuss it anyway. Uh, the, the most controversial thing would be the Abyssal Dead Space concept generally, and the randomized loot buffing thing in specifically. Their, their official name for that is, but it's weird. It's not... It's it's weird in two ways. One, it definitely is not something that Eve, in general, has accommodated prior. Uh, the other thing is, I I don't quite get the community outrage around it. Yeah, it's another one of those things. Like, um, I think alpha injectors, where a lot of the problem is in communication and especially stuff like tuning. I think a lot of people, like especially Mott Barovian, I love my posts. Box posts are fucking great. 
where he's pointing out the um the problems with like tuning that you're gonna have with um with these modules like if you have the upper upper range of them be very very strong then that's going to have unfortunate implications on the meta itself and i i get that and i think ccp gets that well i suppose that really comes down to how commonplace they'll be like my understanding of i could be totally wrong but when i was looking at it it seemed like the really strong roles are going to be relatively rare and collecting the things themselves is probably going to be pretty expensive. So I don't think it's going to be the case where you're going to have entire fleets with these, like, plus 700% micro-warp drives or whatever. It's probably going to be a few players you're going to run into. And yes, they're going to be super scary, and some of the fits they're running are going to be really broken. But, you know, it should be, like sort of a game-breaking thing as opposed to the new state of the game. Yeah, um, one of the big problems that we had internally within CSM about it was more about what you can do once you have enough kind of volume to take the RNG out of it. That was always our concern with it, um, and that's what we were continually bringing up to Rise about this when we were asked to give our thoughts on it. Because we don't really think, well, I don't think at the time... and. I think I'd argue still, I don't really care about the RNG parts of it. The RNG parts of it exist because, I mean, RNG mechanics are a thing. Like, it kind of reminded me more of um, Diablo's way of doing this sort of thing than Path of Exile, but I've never played Path of Exile, so I wouldn't know. In general, I'm more worried about stuff like, oh, what if, I don't know, this is the example that I used in the meeting because we you don't actually have to give examples that are real. You're just trying to make the point. Um, you know, what if, say, it was relatively easy to get a 8% reduction to, like, the power grid of an uh, a 100 MN afterburner, and that's really effective for, like, your Tengu fleets or whatever, and suddenly Tengu fleets become the most powerful fleet in existence because you have the ability to change a stat in a way that you didn't have the ability to before. And that's something that I had a really long conversation with Rise, Fozzy, and D Zero about. It was um, it was actually a really good conversation. I think we came to some solid conclusions there, which are that yeah, that would be a problem. Um, but the thing is that you can just you can just nerf that like any other module. Just because it's RNG doesn't mean it will never be nerfed. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people aren't getting. They're feeling like oh, once I roll something, it's going to be locked in, and I don't think that's going to be the case, at least for not for the first couple of months, as CCP tries to figure out where they need the power level to be, which should hopefully be in the officer to dead space range, which is where it was always intended to be. You know, it's relatively rare that you see officer in dead space fleet fits, for obvious reasons. No, they happen, for sure. But... Dead space and faction quite a lot now in fleet fits, but that's because people are richer than they were a long, for yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, faction, sure. Dead space. Oh, maybe some of the lower end drops, higher end drops? Not really, because it's. There's not even enough volume to replace them. If you. If, like, Goonswarm takes out. Uh, you know. Well, fuck, I don't standard know. PL standard Mac fit is full. Eight, uh, is A type passive fit. Or was. Uh, and for a while it was X type fit. Like. And I know Macs don't quite exist in the same way anymore because they got nerfed. Using my nerf, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> I like the nerf of fuck your one low slot. But like PL isn't well being 
fleets. That's, That's somewhat true. different issue. But if you picture like a, a, a test or a goon swarm or a, uh, a darkness with these kind of fits, all it takes is one bad fleet fight, and then suddenly they cannot replace because there's not enough modules on the market to replace their entire fleet. That's why they're not done usually. I don't know what the drop volume is on, on these, but it no, seems like you not only have to get enough of the things to roll, you have to get the item to roll it, and then once it rolls, you have a small chance that it's going to be great. So, yeah, yeah. are there going to be literal hundreds of these at Jita at any one point in time? I don't know. Unfortunately, that's something we don't know. Like Abyssal, the Abyssal Dead Space stuff is actually available on Sissy now, so you can go take a look and have a play. I know I'm going to try and do that after my exam on Monday. Um, maybe I'll put a recording up, who knows? The other area of controversy is the RNG itself. I've heard people comparing it to loot boxes and um, stuff of that nature. What are your views on that, Ian? Uh, I don't get the uh, loot box comparison because it's not real money. I guess the comparison is that it's like, oh, you're using Plex to buy this thing, which you can then be RNG for real money, but I mean... Uh, that's some really spurious logic, in my opinion. I don't know, though. I kind of agree with you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, there is a gambling I aspect, right? I definitely understand the concerns, and I think the memeing about how, oh, you'll ban gambling, but then you're going to add your own version of gambling to the game is pretty funny. I kind of shiggy dig that. That's a nice poke at CCP, yeah. Good yeah. Point. Give us back our fucking gambling. But, um... And it is gambling. Like you're you're yeah, taking a module worth X, you're betting some amount that it's gonna come out Y, which is more valuable than X. So it's not wrong. I don't know that it's a big problem. I'm I'm open to seeing where it goes. I'm not I wasn't immediately against it. I was surprised that so many people were. I understand why, because it's a very um it's a very not traditional leaf mechanic. I, I can understand it from that perspective. It's very much not something that would have existed in Eve until very recently. Yeah. But, I mean, they're adding new stuff all the time. Speaking of, Abyssal Dead Space itself, instance PvE. Yeah. Why is this not, not the bigger controversy? Yeah, well, that's what we were focusing on is, is the CSM, was that, like, the instance factor. That was something we were really, really laser-focused in on. And I mean, Fuzzy, Fuzzy mentioned it to me. He was like, <laughs> you know, you, we were talking to people about this before, you know, we're talking to the CSM about it. And apparently no one cares about the, um, instancing compared to how many people care about the RNG. They're like, oh man, the CSM got that one wrong. I mean, I cared, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Oh, I like well, holy shit. Like when I saw them presenting it, sorry, go ahead. I feel like we got we got the problem right for the health of the game, like um, getting stuff like the probable beacon as opposed to like a, a system wide beacon or something like that. Um, you know, the original pitch was a little different in how beacons would work, and the way they work now is a lot healthier. I think for kind of making sure that it's not truly instance. It's actually more dangerous than a dead space pocket right now because you can't see out of it. Uh, so it's now a probable beacon, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for where they, they came in and out of. And originally it was not that. 
there was another system. Hmm. Well, when I first saw them presenting it, the way I interpreted it, and silly, silly me, uh, was that the hole that you go in would appear and like other people could follow you into it at that point. Uh, shame. Case. Yeah. Shame. Nope. I, I came to find out later. It was, oh, you just have to like hang out there and wait for them to come out. I mean, CCP isn't saying that that won't exist eventually. It's just very hard for them to do right now. It is one of those things that I don't know, maybe they could do in like five years. I don't understand why it would be hard. We already have wormholes. It's sort of the same concept. Neither do I, but I don't actually ask. I, I very rarely am like, can you explain to me why this thing is difficult? Because I'm a fucking idiot when it comes to programming and I don't actually know. Like, they could say a bunch of words and I'd just have to be like, okay, I guess, sure, seems good. Yeah, I would want to understand why it's mechanically different than the wormhole, which is a portal that appears in space through the probing mechanic that a ship can go through and it leads to another system. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't that system just be your new thing? And then people could go also in through the wormhole, which is a system they already have a concept of. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the way the new things work. Maybe they want to ensure that only one ship goes through at any one time because it's balanced against that. That's possible. I don't know, man. It's weird, and I don't know. I guess the one good thing about it is after they get done with their PvP experience, or excuse me, PvE experience, you could just kill them and take whatever they got. That is nice. Oh yeah, thanks for thanks for running the site for me, nerd. Yep. Straight bullying people, taking their lunch money. I mean, in practice, that is what is going to happen. And I love it. Because it kind of sucks for that person, because you'll basically have to have someone scouting for you on the other side. Yeah, well, at least we won't be, you know, at least you can't give them a swirly. Small yeah. Persons. Yeah, that's cool. Um... I really Watching like content is pretty fun, by the way. I've had a playthrough with it. Oh, cool. I've heard it's a bit on the easy side for like after burning cruisers. Yeah, because EU's combat system is really simple. <laughs> mm. Or vaguely simple when it comes to PvE and you don't have to deal with other players. Once you yeah. deal with players, it gets very difficult, but it's so hard to make content that isn't really hard to defeat, sorry, that isn't really easy to defeat with just A, B, and Cruiser with lots of DPS. You have to have proper webs and, like, um, target calling and painting and things like that, which NPCs tend not to do, because then you only get to run the sites in battleships. It's almost as if EVE's core systems need an update. Except I don't think that's one thing that'll ever get updated. Personally. I'd rather combat stay the way it is, if I'm honest. I'm not complaining. I just feel like... Uh, I feel like eventually they'll get the AI to the point where there is still some difficulty in it. I think it's just a matter of them finding the right way to do it. Perhaps. Perhaps they need to up the fitting requirements on 100 men afterburners. That's the other way to do it. But yeah, let's talk about the rewards. So we already talked about the RNG loot thing. 
But let's talk about the way cooler thing that I feel like not enough people are talking about. The Triglavian ships. This is a new race of ship. Brand spanking new. Totally new weapon concept. Totally new designs. They look amazing. The weapon seems really cool. It's a single turret that increases damage over time as you keep firing it at someone. And does a new uh, damage combo. I believe it's... It's thermokinetic uh, or something like that. Not thermal explosive, I think. Thermal explosive, that's it. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a really cool concept. I like it. I love the concept. It's and the ships themselves concept. will have like, lots I'm of utilities. And Sorry, guys. I'm surprised you didn't see this coming, because I'm pretty sure Rise has been pitching, like, the idea of a Void Wraith since he started at CCP. Like, he's he's never talked talk to me about it. I've never heard him discuss it. Fuck, I've heard him discuss it, like, like, like at least five times. Normally over beers, admittedly, but... It's great, though. I'm glad. Oh, no, it's a sick concept. Um, I was assumed it would be, like, the the next race would be Jove. I didn't think they would add a whole new race to the game. No, the Jove are bad for lore reasons. Mm. It's kind of hard to make suicidal depression a mechanic without it feeling weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> all their weapon systems take maybe away your own hit points to deal damage to the opponent. Who knows? But I'm I'm down with this. So they're gonna have it's an armor based ship with lots of utility highs. They're kind of fast too, or at least surprisingly fast. Uh, Yim, do you know the range of the weapons? Is that public? Uh, don't know if it's public, so I'm not gonna say. Question mark. Okay. I'm sorry. It has to be my default answer for a lot of. No, things. no, no. It's fine. I mean, I, it, it being added on Sissy, I wasn't sure if the ships themselves were. Yeah. It won't be like 150k or something like that, if that's what you're worrying about. No, I was more like thinking, is it more of a blaster weapon, more of a pulse laser-y type weapon? I kind of think like Scorch lasers on the Marships for the Trigolavians, and like regular multi-freak for not on Trigolavians. Okay. So they'll get like some sort of racial bonus to increase the range. Yeah, Trigs get some like pretty sick bonuses because they're you know armor platforms. They they can only use one weapon in their highs, but they still have a decent amount of the highs. Mm-hmm. So they get some swag bonuses to like high slot modules. Yeah, I heard CCP discussing sort of thinking of a new RR concept. Mm-hmm. So you'll actually find we might be bringing RR battleships back again. Oh, I hope say, so for the third time. <laughs> Just our. Uh, first of all, it was the Armageddon. Then it was gonna be the fucking Nesta. Now it'll be the whatever the Trigolovian battleship is. Big trig. Big trig. <laughs> of course, this is cap ships online, so they'll all get dread bombed. But at least for high second, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a shame that they're not actually as good as I originally hoped against capitals. Oh, are they not? I kind of expected with that weapon system, it would be ideal for shooting high hit point ships. Yeah, not really, because you still got to do the whole thing where you break a Fax's reps, and Fax reps are still fucking retardedly high. And you can still get 100k EHP a second, so good luck getting through that with your 1k DPS, you know, battleship tops. Mm. Rip. Like, you can't even mute these things out. It's sad. Yeah, I had a very interesting experience trying to kill one in a wormhole with a Drake fleet. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a fun challenge, but to picture having to do that every time basically was yeah, it's not good. The pain of the wormhole of peoples. 
But yeah, no, there's there was a lot of good stuff this um this FF. There was a lot of small stuff too, like PI and no stabs and FW plexes. Yeah, PI I'm particularly excited about finally doing a quality of life pass on planetary yeah. interaction that involves less clicks. Okay, we had a talk with uh CCP's fucking mobile team this uh summit as well. Uh they're really good. They're really nice guys. They're um they're taking they would take a lot of feedback on the current app that was very helpful. I was surprised they have one, because I don't think that app has been patched since I got it two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's because the app, as it originally was designed, was designed by an Icelandic dev team, and now it's been handed off to what used to be EVE China, but is now a new team within CCP. Okay. Not as in the the team running Tiancity, that's its own team under... Um, sorry, City. Uh, the people running... Um, not City, even. Serenity, that's it. Yeah. the Chinese server. You know what I mean. The Tian, the Tansi, Tansi Tita server. They have their own team working on that. It's the team that used to be in Shanghai. Is what I'm referring to when I say Eve China. So they are now building a new app, finally putting out a patch for the current app. What's well, going on there? They're just kind of like exploring stuff right now. There's no, they've not committed to anything, of course. Could they explore the ability for me to mark as unread in the app? <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was mainly there because, like, the first thing I mainly just mentioned it because the first thing we were like is like, "Hey, when is PI coming to mobile?" And they were like, "Haha, never." Oh, I see. <laughs> because that's how it always goes. You talk to CCP, and they're like, "Yeah, never." I, I would be happy yeah. for a more robust mail system. That would I be great. I think we all would. Because that's the thing, like, so many times I, I don't even want to check my email on my phone because I can't check character info on the phone. So if a brand new person sends me mail and they're asking me about something, I kind of want to know, like, who the fuck they are, what alliance they work for. Uh, and I cannot do that, which is a little annoying. So I often will, like, click a thing and I'll be like, oh, I really can't answer this question without evaluating who this person is. Because they're asking me for information or asking me to do something. I can't do that. And now, like, I've already read the email, so it'll come up as, like, you don't have a new email when you log in to Eve. So I have to make a manual reminder to myself that I actually do have new mail that I need to reply to. It's not awesome. Yeah, that sounds unfun. I love that. Yeah. So now I just kind of, like, leave it there, unless it's mail from someone I know, so that the... Notification stays on my phone until I log in. Who's good? Yeah, probably not the intended use case. No, probably not the intended use case. Eve, Eve Online has never been about the intended use case, though. That's true. Um, okay, new case. big things. This is all stuff we knew, but kind of nice to see it reset. Um, a date is coming to the conversion from Outpost to Faction Fortizars. It will be June 5th. That's fun. I look forward to hopefully some kind of conflict within the game around this. I know Pravi got rolled. Hopefully there's more to that. Don't remind me. You can't you can't just like casually refer to Pravi getting rolled like that, Alexia. I'm still not <laughs> over it. This this would be like you're talking to a Vietnam vet and you're like, Yeah, Vietnam happened. Like, whoa man, you don't just you don't just throw it out there. You yada yada, Pravi roll. Yeah, yeah. That's like I'm fucking I'm sitting here and I've got like I've got helicopter noises going on in the background. I've got Charlie coming out of the bush. 
<laughs> you can't just spring the flashbacks on me, Alexia. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you like that one? I do. We'll leave that one in. We'll leave that one in. But uh, yeah, I mean, besides Providence, you know, I, I want to see more shit blowing up over this. These are going to be big deals, I think. I want to see some some conflict, VFA some people going, oh yeah, greed is a thing again. Come on. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I was talking to a lot of people up at, at FanFest about this, actually, kind of politically, and um, a lot of people were like, it's going to be a Mexican standoff, basically. Like, the first person to make a big, big move is probably going to get shit off. Ah! I mean, the DRF is also low-key, low like, collapsing, as we'll come to later, but... Yes, that is... It's almost happening too soon to be part of this thing, because I have a feeling, like, most of the fighting is going to come, like, mid-May around this, because people that want to take these just to take them probably don't want to hang on to them for a while. Do you know what the worst thing about the DRF collapsing is, though? Like, all of my contacts are already dead in the DRF, so now I can't make any videos about them. It's fucking terrible. Oh. It's like, it's like the person the person who I talked to in favor and actually get responses from, or like, Jay Mercedes, who is now, like, fucking basically dead to the world. Um, He's still got his tentacles in things, but he's <clears throat> someone I hesitate to consider a reliable source right now. I guess. Hmm. Um, and also, he's not part of the DRF. He was very publicly excised from it, so blah. And then I've got Faithfer and a couple of FCs, I guess. And Faithfer was part of the DCU, which collapsed. And the FCs aren't active or responding to me or are really busy. So, yeah. If you want to know why there's not been a video about the DRF, now you know. It's <laughs> super interesting, though. And we'll... Oh yeah, yeah, we'll get into that in its own. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. I don't but... know why I like randomly keep fucking with your schedule. No, no, it's all good. Things. The other thing I want to talk about, uh, and there have been quite a few things, but um, we got confirmation that signer generators, jammers, and bridges are all going to be converted into small upwell structures. There's also mm -hmm. going to be a small upwell structure of a propaganda tower. These will be basically citadels you can't dock in. Yeah, uh, my, our, my original pitch was to have the propaganda towers be in the shape of a player, or a player character, because I wanted Matani statues all over Delph. I was told that that was not possible. Ah, uh, Maybe they yeah, could holographically they like project idea. Matani. They liked the idea of a Delph full of Matanis, though, so, you know. We'll find a way to make that happen. Nice. Somehow. It is a cool idea, though. Um, I can definitely see a lot of uses for it, even for my group, which isn't very big. Other big news? Lodgy on kill mails, baby. Finally. It's only been how long? It's only been the entire fucking game's existence. All right. <laughs> I'm pretty yes. happy. As, as someone who flies a ton of logistics, because that's my favorite role in fleets, I know I, I talk a lot game about being a being an FC and all that, but I actually just love being a being a Lodgy from time to time, and a Saber Pilot. Those are my two favorite spots. I oh. think they're the most skill-intensive parts of a fleet. If you disagree with me, you can feel free to file your inbox at, at Surface Sorry, You can file your complaint to the nearest trash bin where your opinion <laughs> fucking belongs. Go ahead, write I'm your letters. Scud Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I'm, that's I'm so excited for just for a recruitment point of view. It is so hard to like get Logi pilots because people feel like it's not a very rewarding thing to do in the game. Now I have a feeling people are going to be much more inclined to spec into it. Although goddamn faxes, as we've talked about. Yeah, faxes are their own problem. Don't worry about it. I won't. <laughs> I, I will. They will eventually get fixed. It's I've I've come to this Zen realization that eventually I like see eventually everything gets fixed. If you just le- if you like just mention something's a problem enough, eventually it goes away. But I mean, I'm still going to push for more balancing because it's fucking important. There's going to be the heat death of the universe at some point, so sure. Yeah, but even the heat death of the universe doesn't really stop activity if you understand how infinite probability works, but. Like, um, it's more, it's actually more likely, uh, assuming the, uh, assuming we don't have proton decay in our current model of the universe, that you're actually just, uh, a computer simulation of a person or something that thinks that they're a person experiencing this reality, but you, you know, don't really exist. So what you're telling me because is that there's an alternate world in which supercapital proliferation was properly balanced back in 2009? Assuming time is infinite then in the future there will exist a permutation of reality in which a state of evil mind exists where supercapitals were never introduced. Yes. Oh my god. That is a fact. I can mathematically prove that to you. Or that we only ever had two titans in production. They were both killed. Yep, that's how that version of Eve, you know. uh, That's a hopeful thought. It feels good. This this is your regular science science fact part of the podcast. It's gonna be a new thing. <laughs> if it wasn't for that Vietnam reference earlier, that definitely would have been the quote for this episode. What a science fact <laughs> part of the podcast? <laughs> no, the permutation of the game. <laughs> there I would have listened back and and permutations of Evil Mind. I would have word for word copied it. It would have happened. Yeah. Could be. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually really like i will say that i love bridges going to being a small structure because that means they're going to have a defenses which is kind of cool having a jump bridge that can shoot back is good but it also means that you might be able to snag people on jump bridges even easier than now because they're not going to be the same death balls they were before they can only really be that to the capitals just because of how citadels work so will will smalls have tethering and if you can't dock at them how will you take control to shoot stuff or will guns be automatic? I do not know and cannot answer that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are important questions to think about, though. If the jump bridge has tethering, well, that could be a problem. And that you would probably never catch anyone ever again. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't have tethering or you have to be else outside of tether or detether for some period of time to use the bridge. That seems good. <laughs> yeah. That's the way old jump bridges worked. You weren't safe when you were using them. Yeah, hopefully that stays. Uh, other cool thing, Alliance Tournament confirmed. We talked about this when we mentioned that uh, Eventy was taking applications for it, but there was some speculation that we might not have it again. So that was good to see. And let's transition to the other big story, which is why the tone of the keynote was so remorseful. It read like... Um, Honestly, when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like 
they're like think that we're gonna break up with them and they're so desperate to stay in the relationship that like they both this big speech or big letter we're like please 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 don't leave me let's yeah. have the tone yeah well i mean at the end of the day this 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 fan fest was less for the more enfranchised player which i think is kind of sad um or at least, I wouldn't even say the enfranchised player. The the kind of people who post on Ari, the kind of people who are going to listen to this podcast, the people who are big in big about the community of Eve, the people who've been here for a long time. This patch isn't primarily for those people. You know, you've got a lot of stuff that's nice, like the whole Logion kill mails, the Sino jammers, some changes to um, solve stuff like just tiny things like that. But the big expansion is not not for us, really, is it? It's for people who want to do PvE. At the end of the day, relatively few of us do that. It's not our main reason for playing EVE Online, is it? I wasn't talking about the feature so much as Hilmar and Seagulls sections. Yeah, Seagulls is more for obvious reasons, and I think Hilmar just carries on from that. Also, Hilmar's been kind of back in the game. Like, Hilmar's been playing EVE Online again, which is interesting. I haven't been able... Like, he's... I think people simultaneously managed to underestimate and overestimate Hilmar's involvement involvement in EVE Online. Because I don't talk to him very often. In fact, uh, we normally don't even see him when we do summits anymore. He's just not that involved in that part of the company anymore. That's more Seagull's domain. But he still has a lot of direction over, say, the composition of the strategy board, which decides where Eve goes. So he's the kind of put, he's kind of got that um I guess like, I don't know. I don't know. How would you put that, Alexia? Well he's also got the purse strings, which is he's deciding to what to invest where, he's deciding headcount for the developer teams. Like, you know, these are very CEO y things. Sorry again. I don't know if he's in charge of that, but I could see it. I don't know. If you're the CEO for a company, you're definitely approving hiring plans. You're probably not approving specific people that get hired, but you're definitely going, here's how many people are going to be on our payroll, and here is like the rate at which we're going to hire and grow. That is like specifically what your job is. If he's not making those plans, he is definitely reviewing and improving them. I guarantee it. So, mm. you know, he's the guy that's saying, you know, we need to spin up a a new office or shut down a new office. Like, he's has final say on those kinds of decisions. I'm not going to respond to this kind of thing because I don't know and I'm not willing to speculate. <laughs> that's fine. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like, like the business side of CCP is something I don't want to talk about for obvious reasons. Yes, that's that's totally fine. I'm just saying how businesses work. Like, if Thank you me. are I the the top boss, you approve the budgets and you approve hiring plans and you approve like the overall strategic direction of your company, or else you're not really the CEO. Someone else is, and they just kept the job title on you for some reason. It's just what the role is. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's playing. It's sort of weird he stopped. <laughs> but I get it. Um, the world's a great for me every now and again. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
he's it was more like um i don't know how to exactly phrase it maybe i'm even projecting too much onto it but the way he talked it was there was kind of like a remorseful tone there there was a pleading element of it i think he sort of acknowledged it was a moment that you know a lot of people would look to him to sort of admit some mistakes or to look for that kind of commitment from them given everything that's happened but it also seemed that the way he delivered on those things was a little too earnest or too on the nose. I don't know. But, like I said, I, it feels like CCP is, is back to the way it used to be, to a degree. I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I guess that's, that's the main concern. I'm just worried about what CCP's future is post-CCP Seagull going away. Well, well let's talk about that. Say worried, but... I don't know where the where things are going to go, and that makes me scared. So the big post-FanFest news, and we actually it's good that we didn't put this podcast out last week like we had thought, because we would have missed this, but uh, Seagull, the executive producer for EVE Online, really like the man, ironically, for EVE, uh, she decided that uh, her time was done, she missed her family, she missed being away from her home country, she decided to depart Iceland entirely, and that meant departing from her role with CCP. And that is... And the, the significance of it really can't be understated. Um, Yin, you've worked with her a lot longer than I have, but I was around when she first got introduced as like the person that was going to take over from John Lander, who was the previous EP. And... Uh, John was awesome. There were a lot of questionable decisions that got made during his reign, so to speak. But I always got the impression that these were more uh, things being pushed by upper management, that he kind of had to make the best of a bad situation. There was never any doubt of his commitment to the players or commitment to Eve in general, his respect for and appreciation for the CSM and what it represented in the community. And, you know, he really gave a shit about that kind of stuff. And so when it was announced that he was departing, we were all super concerned. But then came Andy, CCP Seagull, who was sort of like Lander's protege, his, you know, pick to um, to sort of inherit the throne. <laughs> it was like direct lineage. Like, Lander did his thing. Uh Andy was someone that he really trusted and he sort of mentored and she was going to come into this role and like do everything that John was doing, but bring it in with like sort of a new energy kind of thing and a little bit of new perspective, but still the same priorities. And you're like, all right, that, that seems plausible. And to see Andy, especially many years ago when I first met her, you know, she is very small, super thin, uh, kind of glasses, a nerd's nerd, if you will. And John, by contrast, like, I could imagine him kite surfing somewhere. Like, he's like, cool, commanding dude. So I was like, alright, is this is this gonna be the person that's gonna have the same ability to, like, marshal the troops of CCP? And then the first couple words out of her mouth, it was immediately apparent that she had the passion and had the ability to do this. And I was so impressed with um, just how she grew into the role and the 
massive positive impact that she's made for the game and on CCP, the company. And just uh, an absolute uh, awesome person to work with. Incredible list of accomplishments. Far too many to go down a name on this on this podcast. Other than to say, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that just about every positive development in the game has been a result of her leadership and her support in the past couple of years. Um, so that's that's who CCB Seagull was to me. I know Yin, you you like I said, you've worked with her a lot more day to day especially lately, so. Well, after that glowing speech, I think anything that I say is going to sound like a fucking, like I'm pissing on Seagull's parade a bit, but um, I guess I'll kind of give my own piece here. Seagull was, in many ways, very similar to how you described Jordanlandia, in that, you know, she always had a massive amount of respect for the CSM. Um, she always seemed like she was dealing with stuff from upper management. Um, a lot of the problems we ended, uh, that I found I had with Seagull were not things that were out of her control, perhaps, but stuff that, um, were a part of CCP, uh, that she couldn't really deal with in a certain way, I suppose, or in any effective way. Like, I would like to talk about it some more, um, but I feel like it would be getting into too much of how CCP functions as a company. Why don't you Which talk is... more about um, like your your personal experiences dealing with oh, her? Maybe some favorite moments. Um, I think I think my favorite moment from CCP Seagull was when we we were talking about the whole balancing thing. This was during the spring of discontent, so you know Seagull had a lot of shit to deal with. And she took the time to have a two and a half hour meeting with the CSM and be like uh, and listen to basically me give a, a like a very impassioned speech about you know why balancing is important in the game. And um, she was very receptive from that. And we got the balance team, I think, as a direct result of that that you know meeting with CCP Seagull. She was always willing to come and talk to us. Um, we knew about her departure before uh, even some of the rest of the company as the CSM because she wanted us to be prepared and be able to deal with this backlash from the community over you know what's going to come next, which is Unfortunately, something we haven't been able to handle as well as we'd like because a lot of information that would be very useful to you guys isn't available yet. Um, in terms of people who would be potentially in line, um, you know, there's some people that I know that people are worried about that absolutely are not in line and actually aren't even with CCP anymore. But it's not my place to point at who those people are, unfortunately. I guess... Um, yeah, well, now that we're sort of transitioning to a what's next conversation, it's I'm like if a position very few people are in, which is I've been around in the first EP transition or that you know, that I was like cer certainly the last EP transition, and I don't have the same level of insider access for this one. It was very comforting to me the first time around that there kind of was this clear succession, not that like no one else was being considered because I'm sure that they were, but John had his preference made pretty clear. And, you know, I don't think there was a lot of, um, it certainly didn't appear to me in the capacity that I was able to get information about it, that there was a lot of pushback or thrash against what he thought would be the best choice. 
And so there was kind of this clear handoff, right, where you had a well-loved executive producer, well-respected executive producer. Certainly the CSM really liked him and really liked his thought process in the game and the direction things were going, potentially. Certainly in terms of like improving the CSM itself and our ability to make change, Lander was a big supporter. And so we were kind of assured that things would continue to go in a positive direction. And we had some level of certainty. I think the weirdest thing when this time around is I've sympathized more with the player base that doesn't have that level of access. And now it's like, well, I don't know that that's going to happen. Who is going to come in? What are their thoughts? Like, I it doesn't seem like Seagull's anointed a successor. Yeah. I don't know who the successor is going to be at this current time. Yeah, um, that's scary. The CSM is, is just as curious as the community as to who that's going to be. We have our suspicions. I'll put it that way. Um, we know some people who are working towards it, but who knows, really? Who knows? I would like to spend a couple of seconds here, though, just listing off the kind of things that have happened under Seagull's reign, so people can yeah. kind of like get an idea for what happened. You know, all of Citadels. Citadels did not exist before Seagull. Alpha clones, so Eve's free-to-play mode. Um you know, phobie happened. You know, we got jump fatigue. That happened. Phobie? Agent. A- yeah, phobie. <laughs> I know you don't like the way I pronounce phobie, but... Continue. <laughs> Just yeah, this, this is a, This has been a continuous theme. Um, what else did we get? We had Aegis solve. Um, even before that, we had... Uh, in, was Inferno in 2012? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had the Inferno patch. Holy shit, you guys remember that? Micro jump drives. Um, the exploration rework. The exploration rework. That was an Odyssey. That was just, yeah. that was the one after Incarna or something? Yeah. Um, it was the, even though it wasn't like the best patch, it was the first of the good patches. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm trying to think. There, there was another major one. Oh, the death of off-grid boosting. The mm-hmm. death of off-grid boosting is one of those tiny things that we can thank Seagull for. Um, that if you think about it, have like a huge negative effect on CC uh, on CCP's bank balance for the benefit of the game. You know, think about how many subs used to be paid for just off-grid boosting alts that aren't paid anymore because people don't want to go through the effort of putting them on grid. All right, here's something even more fundamental. How about public discussion of a multi-year roadmap? Yeah, that's... Never a- happened before her. True, that's very true. I didn't think about that, you know. Uh, she's done a lot of those kind of things for the for the CSM as well, although a lot of that's from CCP Garden, Multibro 2. Stuff like the CSM having access to the 12, uh, 12-month 12 roadmap is um, partially her signing off on that and partially members of the CCP's community team kind of working towards it. And that's been a huge help for us. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of stuff out there that's good. Regular balancing. Regular balancing. I, I I'm hesitating to call it regular yet. Regular well, certainly more regular than prior because it just didn't happen like ever. What might happen once a year might that's prior to sequel. I can actually put a bit of my own smiley face on. I can say that I was I was a part of that, and you know that makes you that. I'm sure you've got things like that as well from your time in CSM, right, Lex? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, the 
just the the change in CCP's release cadence and like actually getting them to sit down and make a roadmap. I feel like RCSM contributed to that, and I would say I would be one of the four people you could argue were most directly responsible. I was the the primary author of a very important document that just got CCP thinking along those lines. I don't think on on I honestly do not think if we hadn't written that a lot of the stuff that's happened now would have happened mm-hmm. because it was not remotely part of the conversation prior and then became part of the conversation it seemed as a result of what we wrote not everything that I wrote happened i don't think it was all like earth shattering shit but in terms of like changing the conversation and convincing ccp they needed to do things differently period rather than just continuing to make the same kinds of releases they were doing yeah i feel like i'd help with that and i'm very proud of it mm-hmm. just goes to show this people say the tsm do nothing it's just a vacation to iceland yeah, fucking boy, I wish. You know, Iceland, the ideal tourist destination. It's not that bad. I actually really love Iceland. I do too. Dude, I just checked out one of the fucking profiles of one of the people on this Tuesday. Where the f- where the hell am I? What have you taken? Where have you taken me, Alexia? This is the same one we've been using all the I time. No, just like click sleep, click click the guy called Sleepies. Oh my good god! Jesus, what are you doing to me, Alexia? This is staying in. I need the, the people who must know. The people who must know what, what fucking hellhole is he dragged me to. Oh, Jesus. I kind of want to, like, put that on our show notes somehow, but... I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can't yeah, either. I'll describe, I'll describe it for our wonderful audience. The fucking... It's like... Imagine, imagine the most generic stripper costume... That you would give if someone if you asked someone to be a stripper police person, and then put that on a fucking My Little Pony. That is this guy's avatar. I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, what's happened to my life? Why am I looking at this? Thanks, like the yeah, for ten out of ten. So now you got to choose between Vietnam and strippers. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. have to choose. That's the best part of being American. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, you get strippers and Vietnam. Yeah, no. bringing this back on topic, I would actually, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm much as the same as everyone. I'm looking forward to seeing who the next EP is, or if there even is an EP, or if they go to having it be like a creative direct, creative director, dri- ah, creative director driven sort of thing, or I don't know, whatever. Is that a thing? Mm, it's possible. I don't fucking know. Maybe that's why they didn't announce another EP immediately. What would be the material difference between those two things? You get someone doing the forward-facing stuff that isn't probably quite as important in the background. Hmm. Seems kind of what CCP would go for, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I did a screen cap, so if you, if you guys are terribly interested in seeing Sleepy Brony, <laughs> you're going to be able to go to our show notes. And satisfy your questionable curiosity. Fucking, just don't do it. No, it's it's done. It makes Shock Fist's fucking signature look tame. For those of you who get that reference. 
all the like five people who were in Razor during fucking the Cobalt Edge eviction. You guys know. Oh this god, it's so bad. Yeah, I've become an old man. I'm referencing things that like no one else knows. I made a, <laughs> jo- I made a joke on Reddit that like thirteen people knew. It was sick. It was a joke about fucking <laughs> about fucking Kyle misgendering Seagull's kid at one of the summits. <laughs> what? Oh, I just called cool. it. Because I like, don't even know this. Seagull, Seagull's kids like uh, got really long blonde hair, despite being a dude. Because you know Iceland. Okay. Uh, she, uh, he is Swedish, because Andy's Swedish? Question mark. Yes. And no. Uh, kids are hard. Genetics is hard. Life is hard. But yeah, it's uh, it's become harder thanks to Tumblr. But yeah, just refers refers to this kid as her. And Seagull just said, just like pauses, looks at Kyle, is like, do you just, just misgender my kid? Oh. And I was like, how everyone just asked it. It was like, it was not, it was not like a harsh thing. It was just fucking hilarious. Like Seagull wasn't mad. She was just curious. <laughs> oh. And of course, Kyle was like this fucking, you know, American student, like the most chill motherfucker you love a meet. <laughs> so he's always like super apologetic. Fun fact. We're all making taking the shit out of him. <laughs> Fun fact about Andy's kid. Uh her first baby, the first time she made an like the Vegas after she came back from maternity, I gave her a very sparkly My Little Pony plushie for the baby. <laughs> so I was like what what's the most me gift I could give her for this kid? And so it was a very very high end Twilight Sparkle plushy doll. That's pretty awesome. I'm jelly. Can you get me a Trixie one? Oh, if only. I have a feeling they probably do not pay as much tribute to the great and powerful Trixie as they do for Twilight Sparkle, which seems like a miss for marketing. Because she is the greatest and most powerful. But here we are. People used to never get my great and powerful references and fleets, and it was amazing. We need to fly together more. No, we don't. I enjoyed being able to make really fucking nerdy references that everyone just assumed was me attempting to be grandiose. It was swag. (laughs) That's why they're called lunatacs, dude. Have I never explained to you that they're a joke on fucking Nightmare Moon? No. Nightmare Moon. Luna. Yeah, I get you. What is what is this thing? Well, we called all our nightmares lunatics for a long time. Oh, yeah, I get it. Nightmare Moon, Nightmare. Oh yeah, Luna. Yeah, I was like, I loved it, and like no one else got it for three years, and then someone else mentioned it. And I was like, fuck, I've been discovered. <laughs> <laughs> it was like when everyone found out I was a weeb. It's like shit. There goes that avenue for credibility. <laughs> fuck my life, I guess. And then I just gave up and started wearing muddy suits to FanFest. Did you see that picture, by the way? It's swag. Oh, yes. Awesome, yeah. I'm very jelly of that. Do we, Do you need, like, the link to so we can put it in the show notes? I wish I had an affiliate link. I'd be raking in dollars. <laughs> yeah, if you want it in the show notes, I can make that happen. You can be right next to Sleepy Bernie's avatar. Sweet. <laughs> Two fucking tragedies of fashion. Oh, this is this is a, this is one of those episodes that people listen to with like a nice shot of rum. 
Drink to forget, everyone. Drink to forget. This is this is the replacement for open comms after I killed open comms. Sorry, team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry about how that went. Fuck me. That was awful. Oh, uh, yeah. I... Oh, so glad we don't have to talk about that. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, we'll talk about it eventually, I'm sure. We'll do, like, a three months down the line post, post like, fucking psychosurgery. A retrospective. Oh, oh I thought you were going to link me the thing of you actually wearing it. Oh, no, I can link that, too, if you want. Yeah, yeah. I like how we're just doing this whole planning of the show notes on fucking live air. This is swag. Yeah, well, no, that's how it should be. Fuck you. Fuck you, audio experience. Sex to be you. This is the behind the scenes, guys. <laughs> Do we A rare peek behind the curtain. Plot? Anyway, speaking of plots, back at the plot, uh, here's what's going oh, on in Nullsec. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is getting absolutely brutalized. Uh, I haven't seen Infinity War yet, but I presume they're being Thanos. I don't know. I'm hoping that reference flies. Uh, Imperium has made, I guess this is what, their third content deployment north? Except this time it's actually working out. And they are absolutely shitting on them. Third including Yeah, basically. Keep star losses, keep star thefts, multiple desertions, Reddit drama... All that, that good stuff. Good. For some reason, PamFam isn't backing them up anymore, is what I've heard. Do you know anything about that situation? Oh, that is very interesting. No, I did not hear about that. I kind of assumed that they would be looking after one another. Hmm. Uh, the theory that I've read on Reddit is that uh, Horde is just not that invested in them, and now that they're in Geminate, it's like inconvenient for them to go back and help them. So they're just not doing it. Hmm, interesting. Well, I'm. I think it like Horde going to Gemini was obviously the correct decision, and that puts them closer to what they expected their main threat to be, which is the DRF. I guess maybe. Yeah. Maybe the DRF a threat in the year of our Lord two thousand and eighteen is a bit of a chancy one. Well, I mean, yes, for obvious reasons, we'll get to in a second, but also, I don't think. PanFam really had any kind of rivalry going on with the DRF. It's just kind of folks that were there. The DRF wasn't going to go conquer Fail of the Silent anytime soon. It just wasn't going to happen. I'm not even interested in it happening. So, I think it was... I do not know. Um, it's so interesting. Like The move from Pureblind to Geminate. I guess so they could get a whole region to themselves as opposed to having to split it with someone. But beyond that, like, it's not really great for Horde. Like, that I could see. I mean, it's less convenient to get to. They have the DRF to roam into, but they're, like, very specifically time-zoned compared to, you know, they could roam into, like, Adderang and Fountain. And, like, any time they wanted, really. I guess because Cloudring was in between and they wouldn't have as much direct access. I don't know what the math was there. Or perhaps there was additional math that we're not publicly aware of, which is DRF paid them a fuck ton of money to move. But I haven't heard that discussed. It's unfortunately something that I can't 
Um, I can't truly comment on yet. It's something I'd really like to look into, but I haven't had the time for it. I mean, they did it, and it's a big move, so I assume they have their reasons. I just don't understand what they are. Strategically, it doesn't make that much sense. It makes much more sense from the DRF side, which was, we're getting our chick kicked in on the south, and we need to, like, totally focus on that, so let's remove our northern border region and just, like, shore up our northern defensive lines and move everybody down there to help. That makes total sense. This is why Horde would want to do that. I don't know. Unless the whole reason was we just want an entire region to ourselves. We don't have to deal with, like, Mordu's Angels and people living in X-Tac 7-0 and all that shit. Which, if so, yeah. totally fair. But anyway, that's where things are now. And I've heard that, uh, you know... Guardians of the Galaxy might wind up getting some support from PanFam, but, I mean, a lot of the damage has been done already. Morale's in the toilet. They've lost their... They've lost a Keepstar. Which, you know, it's like three Titans. Do you have any uh, any closing thoughts on that conflict, Ian? No, like I said, I try, not, I try not to talk about these kind of things and speculation anymore because people seem to take my word with some form of, like, legitimacy. People seem to expect me to know what the fuck I'm talking about now. It's really not okay. I don't like that. Okay. So, so I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know anything about it, really, apart from the Voltus Go Yourself stuff. I've, I'd heard about that for a while. I knew it was going to happen. Well, before we move on from that, there one cool thing that no one I've, I've seen no one talk about it i didn't even notice it that much till recently but the imperium is running i think it's a 64 man fc tournament internal to their alliance which yeah, is fascinating I really, I really really like the concept it's something i've toyed around with the idea of for a long time and i'm glad to see the imperium just going for it i i want to see kind of what it develops and what it becomes because well, putting I, two I, and two I, together I, like between this and their deployment. Oh, sure. I, I was just going to say, like, I would rather have that format than the AT. Real talk here. The 50-man format. Definitely. Mm. Sign me up for that. Well, you'd have to have... I mean, the whole reason Goonstorm can do it is because they have enough people to populate each fleet. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, to be, to be clear, this isn't, like, one-on-ones. This is, each person gets a fleet and they would go fleet versus fleet for the win which is pretty cool and a hilarious and awesome use of imperium's massive numbers uh, but pairing this with their content deployment it seems like they're finally investing in their bench which is something that i've called them out for before in the podcast like one of the reasons they're not doesn't seem to be that successful is they have one or two famous fcs and then no backbench and it makes it really difficult for them to win on these sustained campaigns. It seems like they are taking active steps to fix that. And the tournament hasn't happened yet, but presumably the people participating in it have been developed at least a little bit prior. So could that be the difference between their prior content deployments and this one, in that they finally have a deeper bench of leadership? Yeah, I think leadership burnout is always something that you really deal with um, poorly as an organization in general because it's something you don't want to have to deal with and the Imperium is one of the few places where 
they actually do try and do stuff like this, which is interesting. There is a kind of solidified <laughs> attempt at training people, question mark? Yeah. I, I mean, you gotta train a little bit, then you gotta give them hands-on experience, which is the best trainer. And then just keep them motivated, basically. Which is harder than it sounds. Oh yeah, definitely. And the thing is, you've also got to just take advantage of the new talent. Um, this is something I really failed at, I think, uh, when I had my time in leadership for the first time. Was I, I didn't, I didn't push new talent as hard as I could have. Um, I didn't force them to develop because I, I felt like I would always be around. Obviously that isn't the case. Um, which is kind of, I think, to a degree why we saw probably collapse super hard when I left. Again, Charlie coming out of the, <laughs> in other words, fuck. The rice patties of Providence. The fucking rice fields. Welcome to the rice fields, motherfucker. <laughs> uh. Dear God. Um, speaking of trauma, the DRF, super traumatized by Volta, Hard Knocks, Skill Yourself, possibly other groups, I don't know, but these are like relatively tiny alliances pushing out one of the largest coalitions in the game, and they're making it look easy. Pushing out the hard, the biggest coalition in the game, one of their subcomponents, yeah. They're not fighting the entire DRF, I mean. It's a very complicated situation because of how the DRF is internally structured, is basically what it comes down to. Um, effectively, the DRF has, like, SIGs, but in, like, you'd be familiar with from Test and, or, or the Imperium, but they have these SIGs as, like, location-specific SIGs within their own personal territory, and that's how they kind of organized home defense up until now. And what that means is that when you have three regions who are relying on, like, fucking Ghost Legion and IRC and Prothean, like, Prothean Legion and like trash tier alliances like this to defend the regions. Turns out they kind of get dunked on when someone just brings in like 20 supers because they have no way of dealing with it. So Volta and Skill Yourself have just been like casually farming nerds over there for a while and just killing morale as hard as they can because they've got that, you know, concentrated autism going on. And I mean that <laughs> in the best way. I don't like autistic as an insult. I think autism is something that in EVE Online is, can only be considered a, a, a positive. <laughs> Feature, not a bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aut uh, EVE Online is designed for autistic people, I swear. And, um, <laughs> they have basically taken the entirety of Owasa and Peregrine Falls. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how far they've spread. Oh, and Cobalt's Edge. So when you say haven't been fighting the entire DRF, like, they've been kicking out Shadow of X-Death. So, that's that's not nothing. That's a significant alliance, sort of. No? I don't think X-Death is going to die over anything. Like, no, no, they're not, they're not going to collapse as an organization, but, like, that's not... I guess maybe you could consider it the B team, but it's pretty close to the A team. 
they are they are i think the b team is a good way to put the dcu they were the b team of the drf um i guess the problem is really like where does this stop like where we're uh where is the drf or the drf prime or fucking xix and friends where are they going to draw the line as opposed to the rest of the drf because it's clearly not in peregrine fools or oasa well they put out a meeting of their like a coalition meeting of sorts and it seems like they're going to move everybody south and concentrate in i presume cash but mainly in smother as well uh i don't know that they're all going to fit down there because that's a lot of people but maybe they intend to get out of the drone lands and maybe expand more to like fraternity space and push south. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to reconcentrate and smother in cache and then push back up. It's yeah, also I, possible. I feel like they're going to go for the Chinese, not after they already lost a war to the Chinese. Like, that seems foolish. It does, but they specifically called out that they still see Tri as a threat. And if they're talking Tri, they're also going to be talking fraternity because the two work together. Mm-hmm, true. So if they're trying to focus on pushing try, they're going to come into conflict with fraternity. Whether that escalates into like a turf war with fraternity, I don't know. It would certainly, I agree with you, be foolish to do that when they're when they're losing to skill yourself and Volta at the moment. Feels like we kind of just need to focus on one or the other at the moment, and not open up a second war that you can't win. But. uh we, we will see how things go. Um, I think the ultimate takeaway is it doesn't look like the fighting is going to stop anytime soon. Um, it'll probably take a little bit of a break as they relocate, but then if they're focusing on pushing Try out, Try will presumably fight back at this point. I know they surrendered once, but they've since reestablished themselves pretty well. Yeah, Try are still in a very weak position just because of everything that's happened to them. But they're getting, they, they seem like they're sort of somehow surviving question mark well they never they they said that they were lost and were gonna leave but they never actually left their space it's still theirs they never like moved anywhere all their shit's still there no one's taken their stuff they're kind of like we're out yeah but no you're not (laughs) it's like okay we surrender and then like no one ever actually went okay let's go take their stuff it was just kind of we surrender and then everybody left and they were like oh I want to make a French joke so bad here, but I can't figure out how to make it. I just want to note that there's, like, incredible opportunity here. Like, it's like all they needed to do to get the break that they wanted was, like, tell the other guy they won for a month or two, and then go back to fighting. Mood. Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) She win, guys. She win. You win. Oh, man. That's going to be fun. But that is uh, that is where we're at in the world at the moment. Some interesting stuff. We will keep you appraised of the situation in the north and the situation in the east and the brewing situation in the southeast. And the brewing situation in the north. The north of CCP, that is. Oh. Mm, got him. Yeah. Well done, man. No worries, it's why I'm here. Host highlights. I had an awesome Jaguar vs. Jaguar duel. It is up on YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, fun little fight. Uh, tried this tank option that I got from... What was it? I want to say it was Crossing Zebra's chat where I saw this fit. I was like, oh, I'll try that out. And it worked out pretty well, except it seemed like I was going up against someone who more or less had the same fit as me. I felt like they dropped 
a little bit of speed and a web for extra damage, which is fine. I was still able to tank them just fine. Unfortunately, they were still able to tank me just fine. And it was an incredible fight of like micromanaging my modules and stuff and finally coming to the realization that neither of us could kill the other person because we had shot each other's drones and the remaining damage just wasn't enough. Um, and it was all captured live on stream, so now it is up on my YouTube for prosperity. Quite an enjoyable fight. Check it out. I do have one question, Lexia. Yes. Did your Jaguar, in fact, have a CD player? There might be a reference here. Struggling to detect it. Alright, cool. I'll link you a song. You'll get it later. Okay. Uh, my personal host highlight is, if I take a look at here, is fucking, oh yeah, party into Base Hunter. The Base Hunter's set at fucking FanFest was lit. Those of you who saw the, uh, the like, OG DJ and then left the room, like, holy shit, are you guys stupid? It was, like, the actual show with Base Hunter was amazing. It's like one of one of the top ten like dance sets I've ever been to. I got so nice. I was like jumping around in my fucking full cash money suit, getting ravey. It was awesome. I love how I know what your push to talk button is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you should have been able to notice this for a long time. The little squiggly. What are you? Say tilde. That? It's not the tilde. It's like the um. <clears throat> I don't even know. It's the quote mark. Like, if you use it on Slack, it turns things into quotes. That's all I know. It's the reverse comma. Reverse comma? Is that actually what it's called? No, but I'm glad that you believe that it was for it sounded like a second. Oh, it's called a grave accent. Wow, that sounds so fucking badass. It does sound badass. Dude, grave accent is what I'm going to call my next metal band. Oh. <laughs> uh. Still, it's been a wonderful time talking with you again, Alexia Card, and it's nice to hit to talk to the audience again. I suppose, even if I did call them pricks like twice this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's good old, good old, good old back in the seat times, isn't it, Alexia? Indeed, it was. Got to do this more often, man. And hopefully, we'll get Artemis back on the next show. Uh, he was just not able to make it today, but. Because Ian had gone to FanFest, it seemed like we had enough to go on, so... Yeah. And we didn't do it the week before, because I was, like, basically... I was fucking... It was just after the open comms thing, and I was like, I'm not getting one of the podcasts. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> also, apparently, Ian was hungover from weed. I wasn't hungover from weed. You mm. can't get hungover from weed. I just smoked too much weed, because it was 420. Are we saying it's not the same thing? <laughs> Look... <laughs> the days, the the day, the like next five days after four twenty are all scheduled out for just, just enthusiasm towards marijuana. Okay. All right, guys, uh, that is it for Declarations of War. So go to the show. See edibles when I go to Vegas. Just bring me all of the weed. <laughs> Drugs are bad, guys. Drugs are fucking great. Get them in me. <laughs> <laughs> go to decorationsofwar.com to check out the show notes uh, we've got a lot of stuff to link there this time around uh, we're also going to have the show poll up capitalist army is recruiting we could use a few good pilots join capitalist chat in game for more info we've also got a discord now the discord is linked to various places come check it out hang out um, 
we're really excited to have fans of the show in the corp. It's a lot of fun. You can help create content for the podcast. It's a good time. Uh, we've got active time zones in like most European prime time and then sort of East Coast, Central U.S. I personally play Pacific U.S., but apparently very few other people. But it's all good. <laughs> uh, we're having a lot of fun out in Great Wildlands, running our trade hub, doing PvP. It's a lot of great but Just a fun. Come check it out. Speaking of uh, people that are recruiting, I have been told that I must inform uh, the listening audience of Declarations of War that Sergal Jerk is in fact recruiting the uh, Eve Online's number one furry-based corporation. You know? Do you want to go ping Sleepy Bernie and see if he's interested? Yeah, yeah sure. Let <laughs> me just not fucking do that. <laughs> Rock on, you crazy diamonds. Apparently there's fan art of me coming soon TM from them, so I'm terrified. Oh god. Are you ready? Are you ready for it, Alexia? I don't think the show notes will ever be ready for that. I think the show notes, I think the audience will be ready. Oh, we need to figure out our fucking poll, don't we? We should do that now. Because it's always fun when we have the arguments. About you want to do it on air? <laughs> yeah, no, I love it when we figure out the poll there. All right, come on. What's the poll? Let's go, boy. All right, what is the poll? What is the poll? Um, well, we could have the poll on Abyssal Dead Space. We could have the poll on CCP Seagull's departure. We could have a poll on probably the DRF situation. What do you think? Hmm. I guess I'll go for, I, I think I'd probably gain a lot from seeing what people think about the Abyssal. Like, what do you have the most problem with? Is it RNG? Is it instancing? Or is, I don't know, is it something else? Or is it a combination of them? Or is it, I don't know, it's fucking change and it's scary. The puberty response, as I like to call it. The puberty response. It's change and it's scary, I don't like it. It's the instant reaction of Eve Online's Reddit, you know? So I have RNG module buffing, instance PvE, something else. Question mark. Uh, do you want to give them a fourth that. option? Because it yeah, seems like the, the first form. two are really the sources of controversy. But that fourth, fourth option is it's change and it's scary. Right. Because that'll be the most clicked option, and therefore I will get to claim I'm correct. It's different and I'm scared. Yes. To be fair, I'm just scared in general. But... Is there a different spelling between scared and scarred? Interesting question. Scarred has two R's. Ah, there it is, isn't it? <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, wherever you are, good hunting, listeners. So you're going to fucking cut out the fact that you don't know how to spell scared from the podcast? <laughs> I, 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 I don't appreciate the insu- insinuation that I would not leave that in. <laughs> 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 that was a good episode, though. I like that. I like that.